Welcome to the Gosnells Live at Five podcast. I'm Tom, and I'm the founder here at Gosnells. I'm Will, I'm the head brewer here at Gosnells. I'm James, and I make the meat. This is our informal podcast, which we're spinning out from our Instagram live sessions. We do these every Friday live at five, and we'll be talking about honey, fermentation, and of course what we're here for, the mead. We'll also be joined from time to time by some very special guests to talk about booze more generally. If you haven't already, guys, hit that subscribe button to our podcast, whatever medium you're on. Uh, leave us a review. Follow us on our social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Gosnells Mead. Perfect. Should we get into it? Let's do it. Let's do it. Hey, back again. Long see, time, see you, Double. Long time no see. Well, how are you? Yeah, good. Uh, it's been quite a fun Friday, Tom. Lots of ideas floating around. Oh, it's it's an idea. It's Friday, doesn't it? Yeah, I think just just speaking to meat makers just uh, gets my motivation it does. raging. We've been talking about how we're going to reopen our little outdoor bar area. Oh, but uh, yeah, we're going to. Uh, we're going to be waiting for what we're enjoying tonight. Right, we've got this delicious range of cans from Groenfell Meadery, based in Vermont. And we will, uh, yeah, be joining with them very shortly. So, guys, uh, Ricky, when you're there, do just click join our uh, join our broadcast and we will uh, we will let you in. In the meantime, I've forgotten to put my mic on, so I don't know, classic TV style. So I'll just do this for a moment. Um, we've got several of the uh, different cans to run through, so I'm really excited to be joined by, by Ricky and to be told uh, all about them. Um, yeah, Will and I were just saying that we're just making our plans for how we're going to open up the outside area. So if you're living under a rock in the UK, you'll be able to drink outdoors from the 12th of April, which is very exciting. Um, yeah, I don't think anybody who lives in the UK has uh, missed that announcement somehow. But it's good. If, you get, if you're getting your news solely from Gosnell's Meads at five, <laughs> uh, then, you know, you're all good. Uh, I can see, oh, yeah, see Grandfather on. So, Ricky, whenever you're ready, do you want to, or James, do you want to invite Ricky to join us? We can do that. Uh, we'll see, there we go. But um, I'm excited for this time. I, I haven't been this excited since uh, 12 o'clock today. Uh, two meat makers in one day. We are is, we are spoiled. This is uh, yeah. Why we do this? Yeah, exactly. It's exactly what we do. Got a load of work to do. <laughs> we had a drink at twelve o'clock today. And I've got to catch up. I'll be honest. Um, I'm going to do some mead can chicken. A bit like beer can chicken, but with mead. Oh, nice. Um, so you'll be able to check that out on the socials if I remember to, to sort that out. I think I might try some of this uh, weird plastic tofu that uh, you but, have given me. Um, so it's the dry tofu skin. I love it. Um, it's one of my favourite things. Yeah, we talked about it a little while ago. Um, and uh, uh, I think Will's just gonna Will's just gonna have a look at the technical aspects of this, and, um, and then we'll, we'll kind of get going. Um, yeah, so I, I'm a massive fan of tofu. Ever since I went to this tofu factory in um, tofu factory in Hong Kong and sort of had really fresh tofu, uh, which was uh, just delicious. So yeah, massive tofu fan. So I we will, we are having some technical difficulties here with Green Fan, but. Um, we're getting there. Might have to uh, probably come off and come back on. But uh, yeah, look, no crash. Well, so what are we up to this weekend then, Will? So I think um, we're going to be making some uh, summer rolls, I think, on Saturday, which, oh, is, nice. which is nice. So I think trying to, trying to get into that spring spirit early and uh, start eating a little bit lighter. Yeah, yeah no, I can see that. So let's see if that let's works. Let's see if that works, hopefully. Um, what else have we been doing this week? Uh, planning for reopening, really. So just plans for things getting back to normal. 
um, yeah, see, 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 what's, see what's going on. Yeah, we've been working in the brewery on, uh, we've got some new things coming out for summer, so we've been working on some small batch uh, recipe stuff. James, who's behind the camera, has been doing some trials for the April release. Uh, we just took the Saison out of the barrel fermentation and put it into, uh, into secondary. And uh, we're just looking at adding some um, some uh, things to it. But uh, cool. So so it's not just me sitting here not saying anything as I tuck in. So I'm going to just go through what they've got here and uh, that, that'll fill in my time. So the first one that they've sent us is a Nordic farmhouse Saison style mead with cranberries, which is kind of cool because we're just working on our uh, small batch Saison, which is something I've been looking forward to do for, for a little while. What's the Saison well? So a saison is a strain of yeast um, that original. I, I know there's a Belgian saison, but I think it comes from that that area. So saison means uh, like seasonal, I think. Yeah. Um, so it was. I think it's either a French thing or a uh, or a Belgian thing, but it's done sort of you know at the start of the spring season, and it was drank by the by the uh, the workers on the fields. But uh, the saison that we know is this dry, highly carbonated sort of um, drink that has you know a light hopping rate, some herbs usually. A lot of people like lemongrass or lemon thyme is one that I quite enjoy in a good saison. Um, yeah, and it gives you there's quite a character that goes with it. Um, but yeah, the, the next one that we have here is a dry hopped mead, which I'm super excited to get into. Um, I always like a very intensely hopped mead. Um, yeah, so no one there speaks for itself. So we've got their Valkyrie's Choice original craft meat. So I assume that that there is like our 5.5, you know, a traditional style meat uh, done with just honey, water, and yeast. Uh, then they've got a beautiful uh, Havoc Root of All Evil ginger meat. Now that's one that uh, we've played around with, and ginger is an awesome, awesome thing to uh, to play with, but. Um, it's quite difficult sometimes to get the balance right, to get everything you want from the ginger in there as well. Um, the next one along, which I have no idea about, is an oat amber meat. So I assume it's oats, but the amber part of it, I'm really excited, is, is an amber honey. Um, yeah, don't know. So I'm reading comments as they come in. And then uh, we have the psychopomped sour cherry meat. Now, cherry meads are something that, that I love. It just, they, they just work really, really well together. All right, should we jump off and jump back on? I think that's probably... That's probably Why not? It's not going to hurt us. So, yeah. So we're just going to come off and come back on again. <laughs> yeah, let's try that. Here's a... <gasps> My God. Oh, yes. Here. They got scared of me getting up and turning it off. Ricky! <laughs> Hello, darlings. How are we? We're doing fabulously. This is going so well. Yeah, that's it. We're, we've got over the hump now. Now we're into into the mead section. I mean, we've we've had worse. Yeah, we've done worse. Oh, absolutely. I do a lot of live TV, and uh, this is fine. Like when you do live TV in the states, you know, I mean, Vermont, so it's not a million people watching, but you know, <laughs> yep. Uh, I think the best I ever had was um, it's illegal to drink on camera on most network stations in the United States. And the uh, it was like 4 a.m. It was it was a morning show. And the woman straight up just like 
drank our mead and we had like her producer calling in during the commercial <laughs> break. It was great. So, well, this is going great. Well, thank you so much for, for being so patient and uh, oh, sticking God. with it. And uh, we're so happy to have you here. I'm, yeah, I'm so happy to be here. I wish I were actually there. Oh, man, so, so do we. So um, but this is the closest we can get and uh, I'm happy. Although I have, I put my trip to the States for July 4th, so I will be there. That's what I'm aiming for. It's good to have uh, goals. Goals, yeah. yeah. So let, let's just get straight into it. Do you, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Tell, tell everybody sure. uh, who you are and what you do and, and uh, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm Ricky the Meat Maker. I uh, drink for a living on Zoom calls now. <laughs> I, uh, uh, we, we have a brew team of about six, so that means that I'm only in getting sticky and mead sprayed all over me like two or three times a week now. So this is like a huge improvement over there. I mean, yeah. it depends on what you're into, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. And um, you've sent us a range of delicious meads, which we did crack some of them the other day. Yeah, couldn't, we, we really couldn't, couldn't hold off. I'm sorry. Like, uh, we, we had to get into it. Oh, and you, yeah, to, we did send you some. Good. I'm ready to rock. Tell me what to crack open. I had a, a brandy and soda going upstairs in preparation for this. Yeah, um, perfect. What, what? I, I don't actually know what you've got there, Ricky. What? I've got, I got eight different things. So I think I got most of your lineup right now, what you guys have available. Um, right, so you got the mix four pack. I got the mix four, and then I've also got the braggot. Um, yeah. This one's just called Gosnells. Um, yeah, that's our 5.5, but in a can. Feel special. Yep. That's only available in Singapore. Okay. Uh, Coffee Boche, that's the one I'm most excited about. And a slow. Cool. So should we do braggot slow? That one? Yeah, yeah. so um, I think... Well, I mean, it depends how much, how much you want to, how many you want to open, Ricky. Oh, I, I have the liver of a 45-year-old German man. I'm set. I can just roll through these things. That's that's how I... Uh, Tell me what to crack. <laughs> so I think uh, let's start with, uh, for you, let's start with a braggot, and then mm-hmm. uh, you choose one for us to start with, and we can go one for one. Um, if I'm doing the braggot, um, which are, this is so dumb, illegal to make in the United States. I've heard this, yeah. And it's so dumb. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was supposed to protect people in 1938, and they never updated the law. Uh, grab the old Wayfarer there. That's your uh, Oak Age Damper. Oak Age Damper, which is this one. Sorry. That's all right. I just looked at them, so I know them all by color now, basically. <laughs> so t- talk to us about this, Ricky. Okay. Actually, so, before you start, do you want to just tell us a bit about your styles in general? And, like, yeah. So we... Uh, up until literally December 1st of last year, we were craft only, which I think you guys call draft um, over there. So craft style just means bubbles and cans and yeah. not fancy ass wine bottles. Um, when we started, just like you, we were in 12 ounce beer bottles and then the can craze hit and um, we transitioned entirely to cans for a variety of reasons. Uh, I mean, they sell better, but also they're better for the product. You can yeah. leave your meat in there forever. Um, only thing, I mean, it's one of the best things for us grabbing. Oh, my God, I can't believe it. Um, I was talking, I was going to tell you what I was, so I had a brandy and soda, and then I have a stein of a beer from a local brewery called 14 Star. Um, that was my drink that I had. I just saw on Instagram that they they jumped on, which is hilarious. Um, <laughs> so I was drinking Follow Me guys just just so you know which which of your beers um so when we got going just like you folks over on 
the, the gilded aisles. Um, there was not a lot of meat. There was like no, no craft really. Yeah. We were it. Um, and so there was a lot of explaining a, this is what the beverage is. And then this is why you should drink it. And early on we had a couple like family investors that kept being like, Oh, but you have to tell people why it's better than beer, why it's better than cider, why it's better. It's like, it's not, it's not, I, I can't, I can't ethically say that it's better than beer or cider. I love beer and cider. It takes a lot of good beer to make one pint of mead. Um, so we're in the same position as a lot of other folks who are just like trying to find their place in that market yeah. uh, without leaning Without going the super easy route of being like, I'm just going to be at every rent fair. Yeah, exactly. You know? Which is, uh, um, yeah, something that we definitely kind of try not so stay away from, but like, yeah. for us, is so much more interesting than the rent fair. Yeah. And, you know, it's been back and forth. And let me tell you, the, the Vermont rent fair is what kept me in business for two summers. Yeah. But uh, being able to really play around, I come out of the craft beer world. Um, I used to consult with breweries and I was a beer brewer first, uh, more or less. I, I started home meat making at about the same time, but, um, it just seemed like there was infinite possibility in that space and no one was really writing the story the way that beer and cider narratives were already written, um, in the U S cider is a very big, very different thing, uh, on your side of the Atlantic. I used to live in Denmark, so I'm very familiar with, um, cider being a regular offering, um, and that cider not being sweet garbage. Um, well, it, but, it often is there still. Like you just do still have to put some work in to get decent cider. Yeah. Um, no, it's it's more for me. It was more fun to play with, and I hate shoveling grain. Like that was yeah. the final deciding factor. I, I I worked in a lot of breweries. I hate shoveling grain. I was like, well, honey, all just dissolves. Yeah, and a, I don't do both these So I'm thing. good. Yeah, yeah. So, so, I mean, it's been a long time since I've done any kind of manual labor, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> um, but anyway, tell us a bit more about this, uh, the Old Wayfarer. So, Old Wayfarer was based on a German-style mead um, that I read about in a history book. Um, it used a combination, the original version used a combination of normal honey and pine honey. So it was extracted straight from trees, which gives you a much darker color, um, almost a bitterness. Right. And I was like, in that era, they were only fermenting in, honestly, one of two vessels, and it was probably reused oak. Yeah. So none of the fancy, you know, char that we do for our bourbons or scotches, you're not, you know, reusing wine barrels or sherry barrels. So we use just a straight Hungarian oak on that one. Uh, we just switched to a new supplier. It's, a, it's actually really sweet. It's a uh, father-daughter team uh, called Black Swan Barrels, and they take staves, standard staves, and then drill them with a honeycomb pattern for maximum um, penetration on on a real stave. And the reason they're great, though, is we used to use wood chips, yeah. like chipped-up barrels, but then someone would have to lean into a tank with a wet dry vac and, like, suck all the chips back out. And one time I had an assistant brewer forget to put, put a filter on the line and pack the ball on our uh, CIP system full of wood chips. Oh, it's like pack it full. So I had to spend, you know, an hour there with a razor 
trying to like push them all the way back through those little slits and those little holes. Oh. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely that not once. the worst thing I've had to do as a brewer. But uh, we've yeah, so that, that was <laughs> the end of the day. That was why we switched to uh, to these new staves. So that's what it's aged on. Um, basically, it's a barrel turned inside out, and uh, it's the only. Um, dark honey blend we use everything else is uh very light wildflower honey for the base of everything we do um, it's got a beautiful honey aroma uh the palette is like uh, you know as you would know working with hotels that building a palette is or building a roundness in the palette is really difficult yeah. and th- this has got you know I've, I've done a little bit of work with oak in primary and i think that that kind of really helps create like a a, a really beautiful sort of uh rounded character not over oak or really oaky, it just gives you something that gives everything a structure to hold on to. And uh, yeah, we have we have a conversation in the brew house about you know which way do you want this to go? Like the ginger mead, which we'll get to. It's like it's about the ginger. If you have a rhizome, like a ginger rhizome on the front, and then it says the word ginger, that thing better taste like ginger. Yeah, yeah. and I like um, that. like yeah, same as like our coffee boucher. Coffee comes before boucher, and coffee should come yep. in the profile before boucher. Right, like that. Yep. Yeah, exactly. that's what labels are for. <laughs> yeah, and what's actually a really funny thing, uh, you know, one professional to another, uh, Old Wayfarer was far and away our worst seller. Um, we just had it in the profile so that, like, we had three on the Grenfell side, three on the Havoc side. And the only difference between those are on the Grenfell side, I can, I have to be able to point to, like, what region, what time period does this come from? Uh, we use only Old World ingredients for the most part. And then on the Havoc side, I get to brew, you know, Whatever, you whatever I want. Yeah. So like our, our really weird sours are coming out in the Havoc side. And, uh, but old Wayfair was there. So that the Grenfell lineup had three, just three, three things. And then we uh, were able to start selling online. And nice. I was in a, an interview that my, uh, my head of um, e-commerce marketing was on. And I just said this thing. I was like, yeah, it's really amazing. Like now we're brewing it regularly and like live in the meeting, I get a message, but it's currently outselling everything else. So we, and I think what happened, same thing as we made a, like a, just a super crazy idea. It was a uh, blueberry coffee, cinnamon, vanilla mead, right? Like not, I, this was not one of mine. Uh, this is my uh, head brewers, and I actually told him no to start off. To be honest, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's like, "No, trust me." And I was like, "Fine." Um, you on? And, and it was freaking believable. He just nailed it, and it sold out in like five days. Wow! It's just insane. Cool. And but what I realized was the number of world citizens that would want a blueberry coffee cinnamon vanilla mead there are hundreds of thousands of them but they're fairly <laughs> evenly dispersed so if i were to try to sell that to say boston or london there are a lot of people in those cities but you still need a way to like evenly spread it so the 35 people in oklahoma that wanted that and the 100 <laughs> people in, in california that wanted it uh worked and so that's i think what happened with the old wayfair when people were trying to figure out and i know i'm curious for you as well do you have those things where you're like valkyrie's choice was represented over 50 percent of our sales everything else together represented a little under 50 percent because when people were going to buy a mead they were just gonna buy a mead it's gonna be honey water and yeast 
Yeah, yeah so I think our sales, so we sell mostly the can, the four packs. Or oh, sorry, yeah. most, those are the four leaders. Um, the most popular ones are the hops and the hibiscus, mm-hmm. so the green and the yep. pink. Kind of, they're, they're pretty approachable flavours. The, the hops one is, uh, it's got some sort of, what is it, cascade? Yeah, so, so it's yeah, straight cascade with this, and, and that one is just, you know, it's 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 not, uh, you know, it's using new world sort of IPA hops, but it's not overly indulgent. It's still same as the other four cans. They're, they're more based around this nice little honey-forward recipe with just some adjuncts over the top that just change them between, which is kind of what we wanted from the four-pack, is that, except for the citra, which is, the, the blue one, which has sea salt and tarragon and lemon peel and hops. Yeah. And that one there is a little bit more obscure, but... Yeah, I mean, the sour one is a bit... Anyway, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but, uh, yeah, what did you think of the braggot? So, the braggot's a little different oh my as well. So, it's not done with uh, a traditional grain. It's done with sorghum, which is a gluten-free oh, yeah. ancient grain. So, you're still, so you're still gluten-free? Yeah. Cool. No, I was going to say, it's got this, like, really neat... Um, we, so, again, in the U.S., I can't even have a grain delivered to my facility um, because of these weird rules. Um, they do count sorghum, so I, I wouldn't be able to go that route. Um, but we played around with um, different sugar sources. Yeah. Uh, malt extract is not okay. Maltodextrin mixed back with blah, blah, blah. Like, you can yeah, almost you can get there by, like, uh, re-blending your sugars. Um, and it just has this thing where it's like, if you told me that that was a... Uh, like an ESB. Um, if, if you told me, like, if I if there if I had my third pint in, uh, in <laughs> Aberdeen, um, and you just like handed me this, I'd be like, wouldn't even question it. Yeah. Um, but what I love is when you pay attention to it, you're like, oh, that's honey. Yeah. Um, the body of that is what I found to be the coolest thing. It's got this nice, like, juicy, orangey sort of middle palette, which uh, mm-hmm. is just what we found from mixing sorghum, and it just yeah, it just works. And actually, all the of all the products, that's got the massive, that's got the most appeal. That was the thing that, yeah, like, yeah, we, uh, yeah, I, I just got a new challenge as a brewer. Um, I meant to have it down here, and then there were all the things with screens. Um, there's a there's a production studio that is about to pitch a um, a television series to like big names, and by dumb luck, the characters in their universe that the story sort of follows are called wayfarers. Oh, nice. They saw us on Instagram, reached out to me and I got to brew their in universe beverage called. Oh, Brew. Cool. And it was really neat because like as a brewer having crazy constraints, like it has to be cheap because this is what you drink in a pub and it has to be like, boop, boop, boop. they had all these rules for me and I just tracked it through and I got to taste the, it's not carbonated yet, but like the final, fermentation of it and it has like a shocking amount in common with this but i started with like raw wildflower honey and beet powder to get where i wanted to go and i think that's something that a lot of people who just drink the beverage and don't think about the thought process behind it um don't get but the idea that we talk about that that meat sometimes can be as simple as you want it to be or as complicated as you need it to be yeah yeah but uh, then, we, we do uh, we do like to keep these under an hour, so we've got quite a few to get into. So let's where are we going next? Where's the next one? Let's just do each other's hopped ones. Beautiful. Nailed it. Um, so I'm I'm due to have my second child in about five six weeks. Uh, my wife. Owns, thank you. My wife, who owns the meadery, uh, is the one having that baby, and 
we figured out that before we had really major growth over the last couple of years, um, they could actually, my brewers were accounting for Kelly's hops warm consumption, like in their production schedule. It was insane, but it was like not, not a case a week. It was like, that was her one thing. And if she just had a pint at the end of the day or the middle of the day, it was always hops warm. And it actually showed up in our production numbers. <laughs> this is um, it's very different to our hops. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it has a lot more of that that sort of like craft beer feel. So a little bit more like the Braggot does with your with the hopping yeah. and the complexity of the hopping that you, you've got in this. But also that that palate is, is super creamy and it, it feels dry and, and a little bit sweet at the same time. Yeah, it's so um, everything except for Old Wayfarer, which is uh, – so we, we do OG and, and FG. I don't know if you guys are played out um, in your readings. But near – you know, we're 10, 1006, 1008, um, Final wow. Gravity on yep. Old Wayfarer. Nordic Farmhouse, Hopswarm, Valkyrie's Choice, and Root of All Evil are so dry that they show up as lighter than water. Yeah. So like, we actually had to reprogram our canning line. Um <laughs> So that it didn't reject cans because it was weighing them. Yeah, yeah and that's yeah, how it figured yeah. out they were false. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, and yours is just crazy. It's like it's like there were hop candy. Like I would drink this all day. Uh, this would be this is the first hopped meat I've ever had. And I've had a lot of them because uh, I judge competitions here in the U.S. Um, this would be an after dinner drink for me. Like I would drink it with dinner and after dinner, and it's just. So perfectly rounded. I love this so much. Thanks very much. Yeah, yeah. Huh. I appreciate it. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. it's on the. There's a little bit more sweetness to, the, to our cans, I think. And I think yeah. for us, like as you said, being a new category, kind of half like trying to explain to people that you can have a dry mead. We're still not yeah. quite there. We're still on a journey. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we, we do mead every now and again. We were lucky. We got a couple venues where. Uh, are you guys familiar with the Pepsi challenge from back in the eighties? Yeah. Yeah. It's a big, big deal. Pepsi wins all these challenges blind. And then Coke is like shenanigans <laughs> and runs the study themselves and finds out that sure enough, Pepsi wins two to one. Yeah. <laughs> and this is where new Coke comes from, but they yeah, missed yeah, an incredibly important problem. And that incredibly important problem was sure on one sip blank wins. But Coke drinkers would consume something like 2.6 Cokes per drinking session. And Pepsi drinkers would consume 1.4. So that first sip, it was sweeter. There was more vanilla. There was more going on. But they were drinking half as much as the Coke drinker with their slightly drier. And so we slowly in – that's how we were finally able to make Valkyrie's Choice and Old Wayfarer what they are was these rent fairs where people would come up and the first step they'd be like, oh, that's not what I was expecting. Where's the honey? One of the things I like to say is um, anyone who's ever said to me, this doesn't taste enough like honey. I was like, have you ever had a beer and thought to yourself, that doesn't taste enough like cereal? <laughs> You're taking something and turning it I, into something else. Yeah, 100% yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but it was those events where like, I can't legally tell you how many pints I served possibly to the same people. Um, but it was a lot. And I know that if I had given into, cause I mean, this you know, small business, right? Like every, we're always two weeks from bankruptcy. Like 
<laughs> no, matter, no matter what. Everyone's like, oh my oh, god, we're going to go to It's going to get bought up. Um, but I know that because we had pushed back on that thing, that's when we first really saw some success. And then those people were going out and buying it in the yeah. store and it became their daily drinker. And, you know, same, same with Bud Light and Harp Lager, right? Like Harp Lager is a perfect example. It's not the world's best beer, but I got to tell you, I drink three or four of them without thinking yeah, about that's it. it. Like, that's the sort of thing like we talk about, your you know, drinking habits and you don't always sit on the one thing and you, you sort of follow and, you know, I always gravitate towards the end of the night towards darker beers and, and, you know, these sort of big, bold flavors, but I'm not drinking, you know, I would say that they're more my favorite, but I'm not drinking 12 of those in a session. Like I'm still drinking good lagers in the middle and a couple of pale ales here. And, you know, like it's, it's a diversity, you know? Yeah. There's a, there's a really cool beer. Again, same, same brewer is called Valor Ale, which um, I once famously, I moved back to Vermont. I, I lived in the Midwest for a while. And right when I got back, uh, we were getting our brewery started. Uh, they were starting, and it was the first time I'd ever had one of their beers. And I asked my waitress, like, oh, Valor Ale, what kind of beer is that? And she goes, oh, that's a, a Valor Ale? It's a, it's a type of beer we have in Vermont. And I was like, no. So I wrote a really nice note over to the manager who I knew. And I was like, hey, you just may want to do a little bit of better training <laughs> with uh, – you know, here we have we have more breweries per person than any other state. Um, oh, that's cool! Just it's super cool. It's a great scene. Everyone up here is friends, more or less. Um, but it was one of those moments where it's like, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> but I, uh, I'm, a, I'm a I'm a big double A IPA guy. Um, but I grabbed a four pack of Valor uh, yesterday because I knew I had a four hour meeting and I was not, not going to drink during that meeting, <laughs> like, but I need to be able to get up and walk around. Yeah. Um, cause I have, I have a toddler here who I sometimes need to jump up, run off and attend to. Yeah. That's um, but that it, it's exactly the thing. And that we, we had this crazy idea. Like we could get in there. There, you know, there were honey wines out there. It's like, but we could be that thing. Yeah. We could be that beverage that people drink three or four pints of and then can still get up and get to the loo without crashing into a table. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So where are we going next? Sorry. Conscious that we no, don't be drink. sorry about asking me to drink. Where are we going? Um, what's next? Okay. I think for you, I'm going to suggest one for you is the, uh, the slope, which is a, yeah. uh, which is a really interesting one for us. It's 10%. So, okay. Let's Thanks get cracking. So this is now with me. This is a, a barrel fermented. Do you, do you know slow berries? Oh, okay. very much so. Yeah. 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 Cool. So hugely tannic, nice and tart. Yeah, so full of tannins. We did this as a uh, two different uh, ferments with two different yeast, and we blended it together. Uh, we did lots of fresh slows, and then we did a little bit of star anise on the back end just to give it a little bit of complexity. I could smell that when I cracked the can. That's awesome. Like that's a beautiful nose. Yeah. Um, grab the Nordic farmhouse. Uh, pink on, one. Oh, nice. Valkyrie's choice. Yep. So close. Oh, my God. So, uh, do you want to talk us through the uh, the Nordic farmhouse? Now, I did. It's just a second. I got to try this. Gorgeous. I've only gotten plate. so far. I was say, I've only smelled the nose so far. Hold on. Sorry, we've got to feed our assistant cameraman. <laughs> oh, <laughs> please. <laughs> Oh my god! This so. What are the spices in it? So this is done with uh, juniper berries, um, mm -hmm. slow berries, and star anise. Okay, 
I, I, I if you said juniper, I, I missed hearing you say. No, um, I did not miss that. So that's that's no, that's great because I was like, if this doesn't have juniper somewhere in it, like I have to eat my hat. But the thing is, it doesn't taste like people think juniper tastes like. It tastes like a, if you've ever had a heather ale with juniper yeah. in it. You're like, oh, it doesn't. It doesn't taste like gin. It doesn't taste like soap. It's got this like, I'm tasting something bitter that is not hops. Yeah. What am I? Yeah. Like that juniper's that riddle in uh in in certain brews, and I would not have known that except for the fact that I literally made something. <laughs> with a similar profile to this uh, back in December. Well, we were kind of trying to do a play around uh, slow gin, right? Just kind of yep. Yeah, so these, these were barrel fermented yep. in bourbon barrels with a little bit of high alcohol. We pushed it up to mm-hmm. 10%, and I had this, uh, like, I didn't really like slow gin because I've had it, and it was always sickly sweet, and then oh, yeah. I had a friend of mine that, that ran a bar, and he made his own, went home for winter, come back with his family recipe, and I just sat there for months just drinking it every day. And I was like, you have just convinced me that juniper, like so, a, yes, a slow, slow gin, is something that I absolutely love. It, it's, it drives me nuts. So I used to do uh, custom drink design for bars, and there are a handful of things. Creme de menthe, right? Like creme de menthe, I assume you guys drink the same green dyed garbage that we have in the States. Always in a um, Yeah. But – Creme de menthe used to be a high-end liqueur. Like, yeah. it was fresh crushed mint with blah, 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 you know. Yeah. And it was this gorgeous beverage. And then you make it at home just one time, and you're like, oh, my God. And that's what bothers me with all of the fruit-based liqueurs yeah. that are out now. Yeah. Is it's just everyone's tending towards the puckers, you know, like <laughs> sour apple, raz, you know, crap. Um, no, hey, no judgments here. We all we all have garbage stuff. that we drink. Sorry, it's I, 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 said, um, I, I. Uh, so my daughter, who's three and a half, loves making cocktails, and it's it's her big thing. And we make we'll we'll try to make two versions of the same cocktail: one for a three year old and one for her daddy. <laughs> and uh, we made one the other day: fresh picked chocolate mint with a small splash of creme de cacao, and then she got seltzer, and I got rum. And I took sips of both of them, and I was like, I could accidentally be drinking my daughter's. We just need to make sure that it doesn't taste like that. <laughs> yeah, 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 like, yeah. It's, a, it's a sport, right? Like, <laughs> everyone's, everyone's got to have a hobby. Everyone's got to have a hobby. Um, but this slow is like that. They're like, I certainly had slow gin. Uh, puke did back up as a 21-year-old or whatever, last time I had it. Um, but then I had someone, like a sour beer brewery, I think, was using true slow berries. And I was like, oh, oh my God. Yeah. yeah. This is it. We went for a blend of uh, dried slows in primary and then fresh slows in secondary. And I, think I was going to ask if you were using both because that's what it tastes like. Yeah, it tastes yeah, like, yeah. Because we wanted to do yeah. both worlds. Like when we got fresh slows in, they were just big. They, we, you forget that slows are so tannic as well. They like they they are drying. Like I, I assume they had this tartness to them and they were fresh, but they they really don't. They're, they're, there's this neutral tannin and weird almost. Oh, yeah. They're weird when you eat them. I mean, I had a handful of on the delivery van and then not have a good delivery round. They are the Clio. Okay, <laughs> yeah. It's a Renault Clio. It's not a van. I was trying to be a big man. It's a tiny car. That's awesome. I love it. Sorry, have, you, have you worked with um, uh, Rose Hips? 
We haven't. No, we haven't it's, it's the next thing I want to work yeah, on. It's on my list, isn't it? Yeah, I want to do a road mount. So I'm just stuck yeah. between rose pedals and, and hips and which way I sort of want to go with it. Oh, we can we can jump we can jump offline about this. I just brewed one of those with both. Um, oh, no, no. But everyone thinks that you like it's going to taste like roses. Well, it actually tastes more like oranges mixed with oak powder, oh, and oh, so you've got to like yeah. account for that tannic component, and then find a way to like push the floral through. Yeah, and uh, it's like the difference between elderberries fresh and elderberries dried is fundamentally different. Yeah. And you can make a great beverage with both, but um, my work with rose hips has been a lot like what you're describing your slow berry yeah. has been. Yeah, just I like, think you need that, that variation to create the complexity as well and sort of showcase the ingredient. That's the other side of these things is not necessarily just designing it to hit a certain profile, but exacerbating the things about that ingredient you love. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, um, this, this is, this this is, is delicious. Yeah, this is really Oh, Nordic Farmhouse. Yeah, can you step me through uh, that process a little bit? Oh my god, yes. Uh, So that one's based on, actually it's my only beverage that got older, um, not in the normal way. It was based on an 1,800-year-old recipe from the southern coast of Sweden, and now it's based on a 2,200-year-old recipe because they found a new grave site with it. (laughs) That's cool. Um, So that's pretty cool. I uh, So I I studied um, in a program at the University of Copenhagen, and... Early on, I consulted with my favorite professor over there, and that's where Valkyrie's Choice and Nordic Farmhouse come from, specifically. Um, Valkyrie's Choice is based on a burial mead uh, that we discovered, and Nordic Farmhouse is probably the only mead in that era that people would have had access to, because bees do not flourish in Sweden. So it was a very expensive ingredient. It was traded in and it had high levels of, uh, we believe, and obviously we're doing like shards of pottery with mass spectrometer, you know, all sorts (laughs) of things. But we think that it was probably a combination of wild uh, cranberries and uh, wild lingonberries to cut initially, because they were drinking these things really fresh in that era, cut the sweetness of the honey. So it would be, you know, Everyone thinks of these meats now that Donsk Mule and others make it 20%. We didn't have the cultivated yeast to do that back then. They were were three, four, look at Sema in Finland, you know, like three, four, five percent. And trying to meet the craft needs of the U.S., which is like above five percent alcohol. Um, But saying like, this is really what they were drinking. Uh, It was tart. It was funky. It was weird. We don't do anything to kill our wild yeast. So... In most of our brews, we just try to have our yeast win. Yeah. Um, but in the Nordic Farmhouse and all of our sour series, we have we have sour pitches and things we add, but we try to let the honey do what it's going to do. So Nordic Farmhouse has more variation than all of my other meats. And... <laughs> or should be honest again, small, <laughs> small brew house. We yeah, have more variation than we, we want from time to time. But... The Nordic Farmhouse, I have, I'm, I'm going through, it's been like two years since I did a flavor wheel for like salespeople in my company. Like, this is what I'm getting. And it was wild to actually sit and pay attention to it. And yeah, it's, it's the honey supply we have comes right through. It used to be that it was just like, you know, a cranberry seltzer basically. But over the years that the, the honey has, We've been adjusting our percentages and everything, and 
it used to be harrowing to make because it was we didn't know what to expect from every fermentation. But now that we've brewed it for six, seven years, um, I think it's the one that we most enjoy making as like brewers who like it's in the hands of like God. Yeah. <laughs> Once it's in a tank, it's gonna be what it's gonna be, and it's been very consistent for about two years. Um, but that's there may be a batch that's totally wild. And we just live with that. And we that's a, it's a risk you take, right? You, yeah. When you want yeah. to create something that uh, you allow the actual uh, ingredients to speak for themselves, sometimes they don't mm-hmm. say things you want them to say. Like they, 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 they will do what they want to do, and, and we're just sitting here watching the map do. Um, yeah. So let, let's keep this cracking on. So I think we yeah. do a, a, a traditional for traditional uh, honey, water, and yeast. So if you've got yes. the can that just has the G on it, and. Yes. Uh, yeah, I think that's your dark green choice, right? Is the yep. straight meat? Yep. Let's uh, let's get wow. that. That's awesome, guys. That smells like a, cracking a can of caramel. It's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> so that's our original recipe. So that's the one that I developed way back in the annals of time, um, and it's probably the one that's been refined the most. So we've been making that for nearly uh, well. Nine years. Nine years. Eight years. Nine yeah. years. Okay, so that must be the one. I had this in bottles. Yeah. Brought over to me by brew dogs. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's nice. That's a nice name on that. This is a completely different beverage from that one, guys. This is amazing. I don't know what you had for me back then. Um, I hope whatever you're drinking now is way better than that. Um, this is amazing. Oh, that's good. And this is so nice, right? Like, you use honey, water, and yeast. I use honey, water, and yeast in these batches. That is it. And, and they're very different expressions, right? They're, they're so different. The interpretations of those ingredients between these two beverages, um, the hop swarm and your hopped one, and these two, I, just, I think if I could bottle this conversation... And just like make it a conversation with new homebrewers or people who think they want to go pro. Um, <laughs> I think people get too too caught up on recipe, yeah, and they don't dig deep enough in that the scary thing the the yeast is going to do what the yeast is going to do. Uh, Psychopomp, which I'm going to have you try next, uh, comes from one of my assistant brewers forgetting to turn the chiller on. Nice. And um, I'm going to, I'm going to pull it up because I, I can't, I used to be able to convert uh, Fahrenheit to centigrade on the fly, but, uh, so what, what's, what's really cool about this from yours is like yours is a lot drier than ours, but you have lost none of the body. Right. And, and when I, whenever I started playing around a little bit lower ABV, even with the recipe you got in your hand there, I just, the tan, I, like there's a tan structure in here. There's some, yeah, there's something that supports it. When we go to, to one of the reasons that it's the sweetness it is is because we need some structure, some mouthfeel, and something else to carry it through. This is lovely and dry and fun. Yeah. So that's that's my hardest brew to make from, you know, like, that's the only thing we do that's sort of art and not, it's a combination of art and science. So here's the trick. We have a nutrient blend that I assume you can get it also. Um, it's from Y yeast. They right. mostly make liquid yeast. Um, their nutrient blend isn't your standard, you know, 
whatever I, uh, I'll, I'll just go ahead and say it's not your standard piss and salt because that's what the other nutrient blends are literally it's yeah. like acids and things like that um it's super super complex it's a combination of brewer's salts and other amino acids and you know some of your core nitrogen constituents and it's what carries my beverages yeah it's what allows me to run hot it's what allows me to what's your turnaround honey to can oh so on the 5.5 in the cans you've got there it's it's seven days seven days seven days okay when we started i i had an article that two prominent brewing magazines would not publish because it was too controversial quote quote too (laughs) controversial because i said i can go from honey to glass in seven days yeah, yeah, and they're like, "That's impossible!" Like you're telling people, that you would have thought that I was Luther pounding brewing recipes onto the door. Um, it was nuts, but I'm, I'm, that's what it. So it tastes. When the fermentation's done, it's done, and there's yeah. not much to age out. Right? Yeah, that's it. It's right. playing with the short meat. That's 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 the point. Like you're not you're not having to age it. You design your recipe yeah. so that you don't have to age it. And if you have your processes down and you know how your yeast works, you know how your fruit yeah. works, you know, the seven-day turnaround for us is we can probably do it quicker and do it just with seven days works into a brew schedule as well. Right. We had we had a miracle this week. Uh, the Nordic farmhouse we had, uh, we have a board, and the brewers are supposed to come in and do what's on the board. <laughs> and guess what? They did not do what's on the board. <laughs> Uh, and My brewers do exactly had, what they're told when they're told. They're brilliant, brilliant people. Uh, all the time. 100% of the time. Um, we had two distributors and a shipping department that were all waiting on a product uh, because they had not come in and moved the thing to the done spot. And hey, I needed something to happen, which is impossible. I needed something to get brewed at 9 a.m. on a Monday and be in cans on a Thursday, which is obviously impossible. Fine. Fine. Nothing's impossible. They did it. I was like, I, Fine. Like, there's only one thing we brew that can do that, that can do four days. Yeah, that's and that's Nordic Farm. Nordic Farm House. And it's thanks to those wild yeasties. If those wild yeasties are all happy and, and ready to rumble, uh, they will... They'll hit the ground running and they'll get us done. Yeah. So, Ricky, we, we, we are quick running out of time. Instagram only gives oh, us yes. an hour before they cut us out. So we're going to do one more. They have pushed yeah. it up. Got up to four hours now, but don't worry. We won't be here for That's hours. fine. Yeah, cool. So All right. We'll like like your fine folks go. So, Psychopomp. Oh, my gosh. Jake Gordon, who you don't know, <laughs> just joined. And I don't know if he heard Not Jake, about the great Jake, tragedy of Nordic Farmhouse. The Jake Gordon of Nordic Farmhouse. The Jake Gordon. The guy who told everyone to brew that Ooh. thing on the Thursday and then they freaking didn't and a miracle happened. Um, scrum board for the win. Um, that's a great line, Jake. Anyway, um, so this batch... This, this, just before you get started, I don't see cinnamon anywhere on this. And the first uh, thing that I get smacked in the face with is this beautiful, sweet cinnamon character. I actually have a can of it right here so I can drink it along with you. This is fun. This color too, like, oh my God. I, lo- I love mead with a good color. Um, I, love, I love a, yeah, red or a pink mead. 
What? I, it's so beautifully, like, I can't get past the cinnamon. That's cool. Yeah. Cinnamon, allspice, um, bark, like oak bark. Well, that's cool. I think that's one of my... Oh, oh, your one. sweetness level is yeah. amazing. Because it's enough to know it's there, but it's not sweet. Oh, right? my God, yeah, a... I could drink this. Yeah, it, it wouldn't matter the time or day. My assistant brewer, many years ago, forgot to turn on the chiller, and that got to 36 cents. Nice. 36. Cool. Um, like, right on the edge of killing the yeast. Yeah. And we back it off now. We don't go that high. We're, we're 34. Um, but that's how we learned that we could bring these crazy esters and phenols out. And then we got super lucky. There was a, uh, there's an importer here who I work with, who I was like, Hey, I need some cherry. We, like, we were developing this product and he goes, Oh, I got this thing. It's from Poland. And I was like, great, whatever. Frankly, I'm, I'm building something. Don't care where it's from. So we brew with it. And I was like, I brewed cherry meats like as a home brewer and things like I've never had anything like this. So we hunt it down and it turns out that they're fermentation cherries. So like through the Balkans and up through Poland. So like uh, Maraschino, Maraska, they still grow these things, but they're not grown anywhere in the States. And they're not grown anywhere in the rest of Europe. And so we were able to get actual fermenta- fermentation cherries because no one else wanted them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's it. 80 drums came to the United States one year. I don't remember what year this was. It was a couple of years ago. And they, uh, I got one like in I don't know, January and then another one in June. And it was the end of the year. And I was like, hey, look, we want to brew another batch. Can we get the same cherry? And he's like, well, there were only 80 drums. I'll see how many they have left and see if I can get you one. He writes back to me and goes, well, they have 74 drums left. <laughs> Turns out. Nobody wants fermentation cherries. Um, but it was just a wild ride. And this is one where the mead taught me more than I brought to that mead. And um, I, I just handed it off to my two, my two brewers, um, Jake and Nate. I was like, just let, let the mead speak to you. <laughs> it's just wild stuff. That's really cool. All right, I'm going to crack this coffee bush. Yeah, get into yeah, it. Get I, really, I really want to get your, uh, your thoughts on this because uh, I quite like the whole, if it says on the label, it is what it is. Okay, I'm going to do the whole. All right, so I have a really good friend who owns a cold brew coffee company, makes like canned, canned coffee mead. Um, he, he's someone living the dream. Um, he got the con. Uh, he, he got a contract to be the coffee supplier for Twitter's headquarters in New York. Perfect. And and all he does is he sits around, drinks coffee all day until he's too jittery, and then starts drinking craft beer to bring himself back down, and just gets <laughs> a level cafe. Hey, that's a right. skill set in itself. Yeah, yeah. cafe correcto, right? <laughs> the Italian cafe, right? Oh, that was going to be like all coffee. All coffee on the, the palate, um, off that nose. It's just like fresh brewed, cold brew, like or like when you crack a cold brew. Yeah, uh, coffee. But there's such a perfect sweetness that follows it that it's like. I'm going to be really specific on this one. If my wife's grandmother took me out for dinner. <laughs> this is exactly the coffee that would be served to me after dinner. So, like, I'd be at a nice restaurant. The coffee would be really good. 
and they'd sweeten it without my permission. <laughs> I knew what I was getting here, but like, I don't drink. My coffee is just beans and water. But like, someone would give this to me, and I'd take one sip, and I was like, well, they use Demerara sugar. It's <laughs> super high class, but I still didn't ask them to. Um, if I could change it and just get a can of this instead of that, that is definitely a decision I would make. Yeah, we'll say that. And no. uh, Louis, this is this is uh, we 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 love a boucher here. Like this love is love caramelized tomato. Yeah, like, it's it's just a fun process. There's just nothing better. We do it over top of the barbecue in a big pot. I don't know what it is. But do you really? Scary. I was going to ask how you yeah. how you do it. Okay, yeah. I need to hold it. Give me twelve seconds. There's probably a video on our Instagram of us making a fire out of pallets. There used to be. There I used think to I might be. take it back. <laughs> okay, it's done. But, um, yeah, so that, that, that's a, a, like, I quite like barrel fermenting our bougies, and that's also been in the barrel for about nine months, and the sugar does take a little bit away from that, but I kind of like to think that in the background there's this nice little sort of sherry-esque quality, and uh, it was in a barrel that previously held a, uh, a, a, a plum sake, Wait, I was going to ask if there were plums in here. So there's like, a nice the only other thing like, a bit of stone fruit in there, which is which is kind of cool. Yeah, that was that was the only thing I was going to say. Like, there are coffees out there that taste like a little bit like plums, a little bit like, but they they don't taste like cherry. They taste like actual stone fruit. Funniest thing that I ever had to consult with another meadery about. He was trying to make a cherry mead, and he was just going to use cherry pits. Um, except because there's an ingredient in Chinese cooking, which is ground cherry pits, except they're very special cherry pits that don't have, I can't, I can't remember where, which one it is. Arsenic or cyanide. Arsenic, I think it's probably cyanide. cyanide I guess cyanide yeah. and apple pit. Cyanide. cyanide. Yeah. yeah. But he was about to do a, yeah, he was, he was about to do a, a, an ethanol extraction of cyanide. Um, into a batch, a test batch for his metery. And I was like, whoo, actually, it's really funny. Is even if you threw those things in water, water would be fine. But as soon as you hit 6% alcohol, you're going to kill a body. And I've spent all these years, like my 100, 200 videos or whatever I've done for Ask the Meat Maker, I keep saying like, hey, don't worry, no pathogen that can harm a human being can live in beer, wine, cider, or sake. Um, and meat is, meat is just one of those things, yeah. depending on how you want to think. No, you could actually you could, oh, yeah, yeah. end this being like you could you could throw poison in there and kill <laughs> yeah, someone. It, like, and every once in a while I've got some hope brewer who always was like, hey, what if I played around with this? And I was like, Well, lie is toxic to humans and can burn you from the inside out. So I wouldn't ex- I wouldn't recommend potash in your mead as a clarifying agent. <laughs> that was a real one. Well you only wanted to use you're not, gonna, you're not gonna poison too many people with a test batch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what? Right, what's the last one? Then? The ginger. Are we on ginger. Ginger. Yeah, we're on the ginger. And this will taste the ginger, right? Uh huh. <laughs> ginger and lemon. That's what. Uh, we did a thing. We have a, a local maple syrup uh, company up here, and they do infused maple syrups. And for the low, low cost of get it the hell out of my walk-in fridge, we get access to a whole bunch of their ingredients. Nice. And. We got to do a double ginger with maple infused ginger, stuff that people would pay, you know, eight, 10, 20 euros a pound for. And, um, oh, yeah, that's ginger, yeah. isn't it? That's, on, the, on the nose is a crazy amount of ginger, but yeah, on the palate, it's, it's way more subtle. 
Yeah, but it's, it's, still, it's still enough there. So it reminds me of the difference yep. between ginger ale and ginger beer. This yeah. is a ginger yep. beer, right? This is like this is a ginger beer. Yeah. This is what's based on. Uh, that's another funny thing. It's it's based on a just uh, traditional Jamaican ginger beer recipe. Yeah, that's exactly. You, um, we get the old, it's old Jamaican. Yeah, it's the brown. Yeah, yeah, like brown. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's, that's what's based on. But I can't put the B word on my cans. I can't say based on a Jamaican ginger beer because if I put beer on my cans, then the federal labeling authority would be like, "Oh, you're misleading uh, consumers." <laughs> Yeah, you're wrong. I know we we made a ginger beer here using a, a ginger bug, and we we fed it with honey and and did a fully sort of wild fermented. Uh, and I would love to do this. Same the same as any wild fermentation. It's always great to to do it in small batches. We're trying to scale that up. But that that for me was the best way to encapsulate what ginger is. You know, like mm-hmm. you know, you can you can just add you know you can steep ginger root, and you get that nice like burny sort of ginger, but. That's that's not what I enjoy. It's the aroma of ginger that I'm really addicted yes. to. I love having the the yeast scrubbing strip out some of the that burn. That's what you really want. Is you uh, from my perspective, like you want it to take the take the bad and leave the good. Yeah. And yeast just so happens with ginger. Um, do you know ginger is also a clarifying agent? I did not. None. Yeah. I, we don't use it that way anymore. Um, it turns out, uh, so we, we had a fully fermented batch. We put the ginger in at the end. Uh, I went up to the top of my tank, poured it in, bubbles, right? Always blew bubbles. the ginger back up into my lungs. Uh, very minor scarring on my lung tissue. It falls down through the batch. And like clarifying agents, the way they work is they have pores just about the size of yeast. Think about ginger so we use freeze-dried ginger right, so okay. it's it, it looks just like powder um but it but it's a little different and so what happens is it perks back up with the water and it fell through solution and all those little yeasties it just grabbed them on the way down like good. snow and we had this crystal clear batch now we do it the other direction it goes in underneath and it doesn't go through the whole process but yeah it makes perfect sense once you know the, the physics of what's going on there why wouldn't it do that we don't know what you're doing, right? You're not always doing a deep dive of whether or not everything you're going to add is a uh, clarifying agent, right? You just gotta, you just gotta get your lungs burnt with it. That's the only way to. That's the only way to learn. Anyway, it's a lit. Yeah, that's it. Like, I'm if I'm not taking risks, uh, what's the point? Yeah, what's the point in living? That's the same thing. It's like what doesn't what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. So those scars yeah. in your lungs are just going to make you breathe through the next apocalypse. That perfect. I love this idea. <laughs> now, it's, it's actually one of the things as our company has grown and we have people that aren't like intimately connected with the brew process who see us screw something up and they're like, oh, these guys, they screwed up. And we're like, sure, we did. Let me talk to you about five of our seven best sellers. <laughs> <laughs> Happy afternoon. We're trying to get more consistent, but we we intentionally have a certain amount of freedom in in how we do things so that, you know, I, I really trust, I've got guys in there, guys and gals in my brew house that have been brewing two, three months and we don't go shut up, get in your place because they right. very well, they certainly know things we don't know. Um, Sorry, it's just, we've got the brewing team sitting behind us. So it's, <laughs> yeah. No, it's no. Stop letting them in on trade yeah, secrets exactly, that we don't need them to know. Super important. You be talented that they don't have to sleep by the fermenters while they're on. Oh, no, it's super important because then they build up a tolerance to CO2. Yeah. Um, <laughs> our, our, our previous head of sales uh, moved on to uh, a different job. She's, she's lovely. She 
still texting me regularly, but she's five, five, even she swore she was five foot one, but she was not, she was like five feet tall. And one day, so I'm six, four. I know you guys use metric, but do you still? Yeah, work yeah, well, I grew up with, I had, it took me so long to figure out how tall I was in centimeters, and it allowed yeah. me to lie because I'm 178 centimeters, but I'm five foot eleven. <laughs> Fair enough. So I, I'm six four. I'm, I'm pretty tall. Um, my my other um, senior brewers are like about six foot. She's five foot even, and. <laughs> She walked into the brew house one day and almost passed out because apparently and it was and she had bent over to like tie her shoe or something and the it was like almost a meter off the ground. And what we did for this was we went, we just opened a door because CO2 is heavier than air. Yeah, so just so poured outside. Grass is great right outside that part of the, <laughs> the meter. So Ricky, we're, 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 I, I, w- I want you to try our citrus seed because I think that everyone is... Yeah. Um, You'll enjoy it, and I think uh, Tom will go through and sort of pick which one of these that we like the most and uh, have another go. Yeah, okay. So we're yeah. going to turn them around because we've done two of these today and uh, they're starting to catch up. Oh, I know we did a tasting. I, mean, I know. know. It is a, it, it's a problem with back-to-back meetings. I did a very similar podcast, and then uh, nothing's been like this one. This one's great. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to go for the hops one because I just really enjoyed it. Good boy. I think I'm actually going to go for the uh, Old Wayfarer, to be honest with you. There's something about this that's um, like, uh, it's between this and the Valkyrie's Choice. And for me, I think, I don't know, there's something a little bit more complicated, the bitter structure. There's something about this one that I just go, this is the meat for me. Yeah. Okay. Yes, I've had over... Uh, Kelly and I tried to figure out after all of our years of judging competitions, I've had over a thousand meads, um, meads with different names. Uh, so not like my Valkyrie's choice 50 times, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, but like I've had a thousand different, like this is this. I've never had anything like citrus say. It's pretty, uh, pretty cool. Like, it was a recipe I, I, I didn't develop. Is there tarragon in it? That, that just blew me away. Like when I saw the recipe before I brewed it, and I read it and I just went, I don't understand. Like, and then I put it together and it got to the end. I was like, this, this is just like everything that I would think about recipe development. It was the opposite. And it came out just so incredibly balanced. It's so much more than the sum of its parts as well. Yeah. But then you can, yeah. you can no, pick is, it. is there tarragon in this? Yeah. Oh my God. Tarragon is just cool. The, the secret that's the, the boot knife of chefs. And uh, I've never, never had it in a mead, uh, ever. Yeah so, I, yeah. so kind of the inspiration was meant to be like a Saison or Goza. Or yeah. Like that's kind of like where it was coming from, but instead of coriander using tarragon. And that sea salt at the end just sharpens it up. You should get, it's a bit of a creamy mouthfeel I always get with that one. Yeah. Which is kind of, I don't know, just, yeah, some of the parts. I wish I had a good way to save this for my brew team. This is like a new inspiration. Well, you can me. buy that one at Total Wines. Oh, can we? Yes. Oh, awesome. So, awesome, so awesome. The, the, that's where the mixed four pack is, is what's in Total Wine. So, got it, got it. Oh, my God. Yes. We don't have Total Wines in Vermont, um, but we can, I, can, I, can find a, I can find a body yeah. to, to get me some. You got um, Yeah. I sh- I'll just put it out on Slack. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
But yeah, it, the, the original story about the citrus sea, which was kind of cool, was driving the, the Clio down. Oh, yeah. So it was originally made with um, seawater. So it was brewed with seawater. Really? So I, I was on a holiday in Cornwall, which is like in the south mm-hmm. place. I, I know where Cornwall is. Right. I've read every no, Dorothy Cornwall, Sayers no, novel ever written. All of her short stories. Are you Dorothy uh, Sayers fans? Yeah, so I took the, took the Clio, the Renault Clio, which is the, the company car. The Red Bubble. The Red Bubble. Uh, and the yeah, Red I drove bubble. down to the beach. Fill up a small IBC worth of seawater, put it in the Clio. Robert's your father's brother. There's a meadery here in the States, and he's one of those. He's, he's a nut. Just an utter off, off, off is nut. I mean, he runs an outlier. That's an outlier in the uh, meat industry. It, it's yeah. it's yeah. so straight. And everyone's so boring. <laughs> so boring. But his name is Eli, <laughs> and he runs this this meadery over in Maine, and he does ciders and meads only. And he made a thing with salt water and seaweed. That's cool. And it was cool. Uh, it was on draft for one day, one day only, in in Vermont. And I had um, like a like a four ouncer of it, right? And I was like, well, that is the single most interesting <laughs> thing I've ever consumed in my life that did not seem toxic. <laughs> Good on you. Yeah, yeah. But um, the idea that he could run a business off of things like that, <laughs> a goza with actual seawater, we're like, this seems super balanced. Um, I mean... It, it's incredible. Um, I would I, again. This is. The, I will also say this of something that I feel like every sip I want to pay attention to it. I would order two or three pints of this in a row and want to pay attention to every sip. Like that's what I've loved about everything I'm drinking here. Is they are like revealing themselves. Yeah, there's enough. I mean, enough. We try to use it, especially the the colored cans. It's like a gateway need. Trying to open up the category. Yeah, if you're a pretty, no, no, just drink out in it. You know, yeah, if, you just like, want, if you just want to drink, it's there. But there's enough complexity yeah. to say. And also, a lot of our clientele come from people who who necessarily don't like beer. You know, yeah. like we, we have don't have as much of an established meat community here, and we do take the you know the cider community next people for what we sort of dub as alternate alternative fermentation. And yeah, it's it's those sort of people that come in that want something that shocks them. Only a place in this world for harp lager, but a lot of times you want something that's worth paying attention to. Yeah. And I mean that's our company mission is bringing feasting back. Yeah, and feasting means paying attention to each other and using the food and the drink as a mechanism for doing that. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm Jewish and like. Passover's coming up, and you pay attention to your family because you're eating foods that you only eat on this one week of the year. Yeah. And that's one of the things, like, that's an entree for a lot of people. Like, hey, come over to my house. I got a bunch of meat. That's how we get the Dungeons and Dragons players. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's amazing when you see them transition, and the beverage and the food becomes the mechanism by which they relate the mechanism by which they connect. Yeah. Um, and that's, I, that's one of the things I followed you guys since, since I first had your bottles, uh, however many years ago. And it's that same community driven mission. And I will say like, as far as I'm concerned in the entire United States, I don't have a competitor 
there are other people making mead, but the other meaderies that are, you know, head to head on the shelf with me, all of them have that same mission. They're, they're building tasting rooms. They're building, you know, mead halls. They're, they're making this space. And, you know, someday the Sam Adams of mead will exist and we'll all, you maybe get shellacked and lose our jobs, but well, this is it. Until like, then, like you said, you were a craft brewer before, and I remember when I first started in, in fermentation, like craft breweries and, and craft brewing was about the camaraderie and and the, the learning yeah. and the sharing of information and all these sorts of things. And you know, once the market becomes saturated a little bit, and and it, it makes it a little bit more difficult. We're lucky enough to be in an industry that's still super new, and we do have to have that education platform, and and that allows us then to go. Well, actually, yeah, you're right. We don't have a competition. We just have an idea that we love and we want to build it. And that's, you know, and that's what we are really focused on. And that's why we do these sorts of things and try to yeah. show enough of a community around the world. Like today we were talking yeah. with uh, Moonshine Meadery in India. And, and oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's incredible. Are they so good? Oh, they were awesome. I reach they're... out to them every once in a while. I've just been super, like, family-focused since I've got another one on the way. But Moonshine's so good? Yeah, Moonshine's yeah. so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good, good. Not only yeah, I wrote to them a couple months ago. Beautiful me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I've seen I've seen their work, and I just – I haven't gotten to try it yet, unfortunately. Yeah, we I used to live in uh, One of their sales guys is over in London and bought us a load of – I mean, a load of oh, things. Yeah, like, so, so my, that's my first experience of trying to taste through about 15 different variations <laughs> – and still have the ability to have the the meat chat and go through. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, how do you do this? By the time I got to the end, I think James on the other side of the camera, he can't say anything. But uh, he left about halfway through and couldn't couldn't stand up and and uh, and deal with the the amount of meat he was given. Well, James James can't yeah. his name. Yeah, no, he's uh, he's sorry. <laughs> he really can. He drink it all under the table. And please don't. Right, guys, uh, Ricky. <laughs> we, I realize that we've been we've been here an hour, so we should probably wrap it up. But. Um, Thanks so much for you know, doing absolute pleasure. Do you want to ask us before we head off, or oh, we're going to connect offline about a whole bunch of things. Um, it's an absolute pleasure just to talk to anyone else who has that same. When there's stress in my company, I try to remind everyone we don't make N95 masks. We go to work, yeah. we turn honey into alcohol. That's exactly we what we say. Lucky we say we we're not curing cancer. Here. It's not that important. Yeah. Like yeah, we're just we're just making alcohol yeah. and going home. Yeah. So it was an absolute pleasure, gentlemen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. My wife so much connect us. It's incredible. And uh, let's I'm again. just blown away by your work. We'll talk soon. Thanks very much. Take care. Toodle pep. Well, second one of the day. And what another, another charming man. Oh, God, I think we need to up our game. Um, uh, well, in terms of... Uh, just how charming we are. How charming we are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I feel like our dry sense of humor maybe doesn't come across in our time now. <laughs> that's fine. Um, I think we should talk to more meat makers. Guys, if you're watching and you're a meat maker and you're half as charming as Ricky was, then Even you're a quarter. Yeah. If, if you're twice yeah, as charming as us. Exactly. So get involved. But guys, we're going to knock on the head there. We're going to be uploading this next week. Uh, yeah. Just so we can spice it together. But have a great weekend. So, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. And, uh, Thanks a lot. Take care. Let's get into it. Hit it, James. Thanks for listening, guys. Hopefully you enjoyed that. So hit the subscribe and like button and follow us on all our social media and we'll see you again next week. If you've got any questions or thoughts or just want to chat about mead and honey, then drop us an email to podcast at goslands.co.uk. Or better still, jump on our Instagram live at fives. Ask us uh, any questions that you have and watch us scramble to try to find the answer and uh, look like we know what we're talking about. 
Or if you want to see what I look like, you can head on over to the website at www.gosmalls.co.uk.